0: God's design for marriage is found in Matthew chapter 19. Jesus said, at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Welcome to By Design from American Family Radio. One of the most important men in the past uh, generation that has strengthened the family is Dr. James Dobson. His name is synonymous with family, focus on the family, family talk, and he said there's a difference in a legacy and an inheritance, and uh, it's good to leave an inheritance for those children that are following you and grandchildren, but more importantly is that legacy, that legacy of godliness, of trust, of uh, following the Lord, and so we want to talk about that today today. And we find this uh, in Psalms, Psalm 127 and 128. Now, a lot of people, and I've done this before, talked about each one of them separately. But today, I want to combine those two because they do build on one another. And uh, I saw this uh, in a writing years ago, and I forgot who it was, but it struck a note with me, and I started putting it together. So it wasn't my original idea, but Psalm 127 and 128 both deal with family. And uh, so I, I want to read uh, verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 127, and then when we get through, we'll read some more of that. But on des- by design today, I think this might be... Uh, helpful for you, hopeful for you, and uh, that you can follow it and uh, your family will be healthy by it. That's all H's, so I hope that will help. It says in Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sleep. Now, normally, if I was preaching this, I would just preach that one thing and go through all the what, what it means about guarding the city and the watchman, but uh, it, it, the similarity is there. You're building a family, and it's so important. And, and the family is being really attacked, but it's really nothing new. I, I think it has uh, gone deeper and, and stronger today that the family's attacked, but even back in 1978, in Newsweek magazine, there was an article about saving the family, and they were asking the question, is the family growing extinct the way the sperm whale, the whooping crane? And and Dr. Charles Swindoll also wrote a book. Uh, this is in the 80s, if I remember it, 1980s, Strengthening Your Grip and the statistics that he gave were staggering even back then concerning first marriages concerning second marriages after the first marriage and you'd think it would work but the possibility of the failure is close to 50% according to the statistics the the unwanted births of children out of wedlock uh, are are significant And then latchkey kids, we don't hear much about that, but yes, they are because they have so many after-school programs It's helped, but it's still not with the parents of training them and helping them. Uh, Abuse of children is still an issue. It was an issue uh, in the 70s and in the 80s. And so these things have all attacked the family, but the church needs to stand. Those of us who are followers of Christ need to stand for the family, but also help equip the family. So the question is... In this building, a legacy, is there hope for the family? Well, I believe there is, and that's why By Design is on, on, on this network, and that's why uh, AFR is American Family Radio, American Family Association, and we believe in the family. And Psalm 127 and 128 cover these four major stages of the family. The first stage is the conception. And you know, until the first child, it's when it's a husband and wife. And sometimes because of infertility, it stays that way. But guess what? What we learn in Psalm 127 is good for a lifetime as well between a husband and wife. And then in Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5, it's when the family begins to expand and children come along, the birth of the children. And then Psalm 128, verses 1 through 3, talks about training those children and letting them be like olive trees. It's awesome in that comparison. And then finally, in one, uh, Psalm 128, uh, verses 4 through 6, it's back to you and me, baby. In other words, it's back to the way it started, just the husband and wife. And so we want to run through that today, and I think it'll be a blessing to you. And um, if you, if it's where you can, um, you may not get it all, but you can follow up on podcast and find about it. And and, and it, I think it will help. This is very, very practical from a biblical perspective point of view because this is by God's design, and that's how the cycle of the family runs. First is the inception of the family, and that's what I read in Psalm 127 verses 1 through 2 this is the foundational years, what we bring into the family, what the husband brings, what the what the wife brings. And a lot of times, I used to a lot when I was full-time pastoring and I did a lot of family counseling, especially for those that were going to be married, I'd take time out and, and talk with them and try to help them and counsel them. And I would ask them about their family of origin. I would ask them kind of who's, who has the final word? Uh, how, how do they get along? Because what we've learned from the family that we come from most of the time, whether we want to or not, we bring it into our family. Um, I, in another sermon, I call it the baggage that we acquire in our childhood. We bring that same baggage into our family of marriage. And so you've got to unpack that baggage and get all the junk out. And, and that's what it happens. And hopefully that's what you'll do, uh, that you'll understand that that husband, that wife is to help you to unpack your baggage and still love you and that you'll know what to leave behind and what to carry on. And so the whole idea here is salvation. Uh, When you come into the inception of the family, the Bible makes it plain that, you know, you better be equally yoked. It better be two Believers, um, unbeliever, and a, a believer marrying is is very very difficult, and so God wants that marriage to work, and that's the very idea that He wants to. It's not just being saved; it's also the lordship that Jesus is Lord. Uh, again, when I'm doing counseling with a couple that's going to be married, I I tell the wife, I say, "You want a husband, and you understand." That he does not have the final answer. He doesn't know. But if he's saved, it means he and you can go. To the Father who has the answer, and and He will guide you and He will help you, and and that's in the inception, and that needs to be communicated, and in those early years, even in the dating and courtship, communication needs to be started, not not just on a cliche level, not just on a a level of acquaintance, but you want it to become intimate, um, where you and your spouse. Share the very thoughts of your heart and, and it's thoughts that you would never share with anyone else. It's that relationship that a husband and wife develop of trust. And that's the inception of the family. That's when it begins, and that's where it starts. And guess what? If children are not added, that continues on. You're still communicating that intimacy, that love, that caring, that support, praying for one another. So that's the inception of the family, the beginning of it. But then in verses 3, 4, and 5 of Psalm 1, One twenty-seven. It's the expansion of the family. Children are added. Let me read those. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Again, if I were taking time just to develop this, which I do commonly when I'm preaching on the family, we would talk about what all it means. But let me give you just a a, a shorter version of, of what we're talking about so we can cover all four stages. This is when the family is expanding. This is during those childbearing years. They're good years, but... Aren't they physically, financially, mentally exhausted? Uh, I was talking to a young uh, man the other day and this has their first child, and they say, Man, I'm not getting a lot of sleep at night. That goes with the territory. That's why you have them when you're young, so you can overcome that and keep on going to work. But notice what it says here each child is a gift, it's fruit, it's a reward they're a blessing to us. Uh, If you look at them as a burden, if you look at a child as someone, oh man, they're gonna drag me down. They're gonna cost us a lot of money. And uh, many of you have heard the story about two men that we're talking. And one man was complaining about how much his son that was in high school about to go to college was costing. And the other parent said, oh, I wished I had my son still here who was killed so I could spend my money on him. What a blessing it is to be able to have a child that you can spend that money on not to spoil them but to help them to strengthen their lives we need these children their significance in god's eyes they should be significant in our eyes and we need to understand we're building a family it was in the uh, the story of the effective father by gordon mcdonald that said among the legends of a tale of medieval sidewalk superintendent and he was asking three stonemasons what they were doing concerning a construction project. The first replied, I'm laying brick. That was simple. He asked the second uh, stonemason, he said, describe your work. He said, I'm building a wall. What does it look like? Then he went to the third one, and this laborer had a genuine uh, vision of what he was doing, and he esteemed his work, and he said, I'm raising a great cathedral. Well, when someone asks you what you're doing when you go to work, when they ask you, why do you hurry home? Why don't you stop by this bar? Why don't you stop by here? And you can say them, I'm building a legacy. I'm building a legacy with my children. I'm going home to spend time with my wife and my children. I want my children to see how a man treats his wife and how they care for one another. And I want them to know they care. So when you're involved in this, you're building a legacy. You're spending time. This is God's view of the family. This is God's view of a child. The world's view, sometimes it's a lot less than that. Many times it's less than that. There seems to be a vacuum of what uh, you want your children to be able to do. And and the Bible talks about it again and again when Paul or Peter would write to the, the the churches that Paul had established to the uh, pilgrims that Peter would refer to that he was writing to. And they'd write these words and say, teaching them to stand, stand in the righteousness of God. So that's what you're doing with your children. You're teaching them to take a stand. You're teaching them about the Savior. You're teaching them about salvation. These are so important. And, And you're just not teaching them. You're you're hoping they're catching it. Uh, if you read Deuteronomy chapter six, when it talks about this, about what the the fathers and mothers need to teach their children, and it instructs them on how to do it, some of it is taught and some of it is caught because they're going to watch what you're doing and they're going to see that and they're observing. And if you don't spend enough time with them, they're not you're not there with them. You're not teaching them how to catch it, and it's not enough just to. Put it out there and teach it. You've got to live it and let them see you. So the value of the home is so valuable to God. It's valued in every way that God puts a premium on the home. Matter of fact, when he sent his Savior, Jesus Christ, into the world to save the world, he sent him to a family, Joseph and Mary, and then they would have other sons and at least two daughters, maybe more. And so he was raised in a family with all the pressure that they had, all the difficulties that a family goes through, the, the heartache, uh, the responsibilities. Jesus grew up in that family. No wonder it says, he, you know, that when we're tempted, that Jesus was likewise tempted in such a manner. He grew up in that family. And in a family, there's going to be those difficult times. It just comes with a territory. So in this period of time when you begin it, it's husband and wife, and then you have the expansion of children being born. It can be one or it can be more. And uh, Kevin Lehman wrote wrote a book concerning children in the birth order. And uh, there's, a you know, children that's the first one or the youngest one, the middle one. Uh, I'm a family of nine. I told... One time I was telling someone about it, and I said they haven't got to the ninth one yet, how they're treated in a family. But there's order to it. In other words, the firstborn, the secondborn, the middle, these are all important positions in the home. And, and, and in the expansion of the family, you understand that, and you're trying to teach every child, nowhere, no matter where they come in the birth order, that they're valuable, they're important, and you love them, and you care for them. And then you train them. That goes over to Psalm 128. And I want to read verses 1, 2, and 3 because you'll see it, especially when I get to verse 3. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children will be like olive plants all around your table. Now, there's so much there, but notice the wife is the at the very heart of the home. And that is so true. And in a day when moms are having to work to make ends meet, it makes it difficult and they have a big task. That's why fathers that work, guess what? They come home and they're part of that, taking care of that task of feeding and washing and cleaning whatever needs to be done. It's a Team sport, as we would call it. But these are the child-rearing years, and uh, they're, they're important. They're, they're draining as well, but it is central. And again, notice, the Lord is still central around the family. No matter if it's the beginning, a husband and wife, Jesus is the central person. In those years of expansion, Jesus is still on the throne. And now, in the training of these children— Jesus is to be on the throne, and again, those children catch what the parents are sharing. He is central to it. Parents uh, are are to be authentic, Um, you know, especially teenagers. They're touchable. They're approachable. Don't, Don't let them scare you. But there's one thing that teenagers see quicker than anyone. And this, I I observed it with the three that my wife and I raised. I I, I was a youth minister, and I saw that when I was pastoring. I saw that counseling families. I see it. And the thing that teens see more than anything else is hypocrisy. And you want to be real, you want to be authentic. You want them to see you as you are, but be that real person. Be that person that loves the Lord Jesus Christ Sunday morning and then Monday through Saturday. Uh, your your Christian walk shouldn't be treated like a light switch. Well, I've got that done. I can take it off and just be the real me. No, the real me needs to be that person that is following Christ and letting authenticity be a part of your life. I I, I cannot stress that enough, uh, and and that's true, and that's by God's design. Again, that's why we call this program by design. It's God's design for that ch- those children to observe that mom and that dad as they live their life. That's why mom and dad in the home is so important, and and why today with so much divorce and children living at different times with different parents, it's so difficult and hard. It is hard. You do your best with what you have, and that's what you want to do. But no matter what you are, a single parent or a parent that is has your children sometimes or on the weekends and a week or two or whatever it is, you want to show them the authenticity of who you are, especially your walk with Christ, that it is real. Now, I, I referred to Dr. Dobson, James Dobson, as I began this program. I want to refer to him again. Uh, uh, he, he's significant in mine and my wife's life. Uh, my wife's name is Jan Uh you see, our first son was born in 1977. Dr. Dobson started Focus on the Family program in 1977. I tell folks he, he started that program because he knew Bert desperately needed the help that he uh, would need. And so I would listen to him. But he gave six things that you want to teach your children. These are six goals, and they're worth writing down. They're worth remembering. It's first is this. Is my child learning to love God? Teach your child to love God. And there's scripture verses, but each one of these, this is Mark 12:30. Matter of fact, it's the oldest and first commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. That is the first commandment. You want to follow God. If it was God's first commandment, it ought to be the first thing you want to do as a parent, teach them to love God. The second one was this, love your neighbor as yourself. That's in Mark 12.31, following Mark 12.30. So you want them to see you how you treat others. You want them to treat others with respect, no matter who they are, and, and respect them and their position and, and their lives. So teach them to love the Lord, love their neighbor. Thirdly, teach them to do the will of God. Psalm 143.10 says, Teach me to do thy will, O Lord, for thou art my God. Listen, let them know God has a purpose for them, and his will is to be followed, and you want to follow that will. Then you teach them to keep his commandments. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, this is the finality of all things that I've discovered. Trust God, fear God, and keep his commandments. You want to teach them that obedience is important. And if they obey parents, they'll learn to obey God. So obeying God is is not doing it with a bad attitude, but it's doing it with a right attitude, loving the Lord because He cares for you. The fifth one is you want to get this from the fruit of the Spirit that's in Galatians five, twenty two. And it talks about all of the nine different parts of the fruit of the spirit but the last one is so important and that is self-control. The reason you want to teach that is because listen, youth that is out of control, you see what it happens to society. It hurts them, it hurts others, it hurts society. So you want to teach them to have self-control. The final thing that Dr. James Dobson said you want to make sure and treat your children, teach your children the goals you have is that in Luke 14, 11, he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Let them know they need to trust God. They don't need to be haughty and proud. They don't need to look at others as insignificant, but teach them the humility. And uh, the Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of God and he'll lift you up. Uh, it's a lot easier to humble yourself than letting God humble you. And so you want to teach them that is a goal you have. And then finally, we come to stage four. And we find this in Psalm 128, verses four through five. Behold, thus the man shall be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord will bless you out of Zion. And may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Now listen to verse six. Yes, may you see your children's children and peace be upon Israel. Now again, in that day, it was Jerusalem. It was Israel, but it's society. In other words, When you raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, it's not just good for you, it's not just good for the family, not just good for the community, it's good for society. Because the family is the very foundation of a society. He made Adam and Eve and put them in the Garden of Eden and told them to care for that. That was their society, and they were to care for that. And when the children came along, they were to teach them these things, to, and it would strengthen society when it's done right. When it's done wrong, you see what happened. It even happened with Cain and Abel. But here we're talking about the twilight years or as it's been coined, the empty nest. And that's the reason I said earlier, it's back to you and me, babe. And uh, so whatever that pet name you have for your spouse, it's you and them, and, and and you're loving one another, you're caring for one another. And this life is filled with memories. Those children's children, those grandparents, what a joy it is to, to have those grandchildren and be a part of their lives. Uh, I had a friend of mine who said, Praise the Lord for those grandchildren. Praise the Lord for the headlights and praise God for the taillights. In other words, you have them for a while and you love them and you care for them. and uh, But then they get to go back home to mom and dad. And I know there's some grandparents that may be listening and you're having to raise your children, uh, grandchildren. How difficult that is in your life. But God can strengthen you if that's your case. But here it talks about the children's children and their reward, your blessing. And uh, it's a happy, healthy, young uh, family, and it runs over into the twilight years of our lives when we've done what the Lord has had us to. Notice finally, it ends with peace be upon Israel. Isn't that amazing? That the peace that's in a family can influence a nation. And uh, I, I've seen it, I've observed it, and look how strong it is when godly men and women who are married, they have those children and they invest their lives in them, they train them, they're not just, just uh, providing for them physically, which is important but they are providing for them spiritually. They're providing for them in self-control and all of those things that are so important. So it is God's design for those that are grandparents to be able to enjoy the fruit of their labor, the children that they raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, to see them carry on the same principles. Uh, John said it this way, I have no greater joy than to see that my children walk in the faith and walk in love. And I, I want to tell you, as a parent, as a grandparent, uh, I agree with John. There's no greater joy than to see that happen. But you've got to invest early. You've got to do that. I've asked some people that were elderly that were kind, that were serving the Lord, that had just a great spirit and attitude. I said, uh, "I said, how how did you get that?" And they said, "We've been working on it all of our life." So you work on it all your life. You can't start. Okay, I've reached seventy. Now I've got to start doing that. No, you start early. You let God guide you. You let Him lead you. Your children will see it. Your grandchildren will see it. And they'll say, man, that's the life that I want to live, a life that's filled with service, a life that's filled with with joy and fulfillment. And so the bottom line is for by God's design is the best way. It's the best way for a child to have a father and mother. It's the best way to see that father and mother bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's by God's design and the best way for the grandparents to be a support, for the church to come alongside and help that uh, family and to agree that God's way is the best way. The church can't do it. The youth minister can't do it by themselves. They can influence and they can help. But man, when it's a team, of the father and mother, the church, and those that are around you sharing and sharing their lives with others. No wonder this passage ends, peace be upon Israel. That's what our nation needs. That's why By Design is such an important program that we're doing our best not only to encourage you, but train you and to helping you become all that God wants you to be. Thank you for listening, By Design. And I pray that Psalm 127 and Psalm 128 would help you and strengthen you in bringing your children up and letting them be champions, fruit, and great eras in the hand of a warrior like God. Thank you for listening by by design, and may God continue to guide you.